Hi everyone, I'm Tanya Luna, a psychology researcher and educator. And I'm Brian Luna. I think Dr. Pepper is one of the basic food groups. And you're listening to Talk, Talk Psych, Psych to, to me. me, a show where I explain research and theories from the field of psychology. And I try to keep up. Let's get into it. Brian, I'm going to start with a question for you. Oh. And listeners, this question goes for you too. Okay. What time is it right now? It's game time. What literal time is oh, it right uh, now? It's 3.59 p.m. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, and given the time it is at this very moment. I thought, that was, I thought this is some kind of weird psych like a thing. pep talk? Yeah, I thought this is like, I don't know. Okay, I'm on my toes I'm with you. I'm just looking for the time. I'm on my toes with you. All Do right. you say that when people come up to you on the street and they're like, excuse me, sir, what time is it? I'm like, it's game time. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Okay, and given the time it is at this very real moment in reality. Yes. Or the moment that you're in listeners does it feel like that time what? does it feel yeah, like <laughs> what, <are you? laughs> what time yes. does it feel like it actually feels like 4 11 4 11 yeah why is that because you're on 4 11 i usually feel like this <laughs> okay hopefully by the end of this episode <laughs> we'll be able to give a richer answer to that question Wait, is this about time time is on my side yes i am Okay, and what month is it right now? We are in February. And if you think about the passage of time, thinking back to the beginning of this year, <laughs> does it feel like we got to February slowly, quickly, or at about the normal pace? I think it always feels like as I've gotten older, I feel like things get here quicker. Like when I was a kid, February couldn't come fast enough because that was when you got, we used to have to build our own Valentine's Day boxes. And then we like... not do that. You know, so we used to have to get like a shoebox and then decorate it. And then that was our mailbox. And then we brought in Valentines and we stuck them in everybody's I thing. I bet you got so many Valentines. Hey, I did all right. I did all right. I did all right. This was in Texas. This is in Texas. Did they also teach abstinence in these schools? No, no, no. It was all procreation. Okay. Everything was everything was like, you should <laughs> they wanted next you year, to get started. Yeah, next year early. was home ec in first grade. We, we had all that stuff. <laughs> take care of the egg. No, okay, but it, that's really interesting what yeah. you said. So when you were a kid, it felt like it would take forever from mm-hmm. February to come. And now it feels like we just celebrated the start of the year. And here we are already with heart-shaped donuts. So you've guessed already. Today we're going to be talking about time. Not chronometry, otherwise known as clock time. (laughs) Because that would be really boring. Right? (laughs) I'd just be like, what time is it now? What time is it now? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are we going to be talking about time travel? In a sense, we're going to be talking about psychological time. We gotta go back, Marty! Back to the future! (laughs) Otherwise known as brain time, otherwise known as subjective temporal experience. I think this is a fascinating topic because as humans, we're always complaining about time. We can't seem to get no satisfaction with time. Nice callback, Rolling Stones. Nice! That was definitely What kinds of complaints have you heard or not enough time about time? Not enough time. I'm running out of time. As a kid, do you remember feeling that way as well? No, I just think that things are taken forever. Um, Forever, like church. Like my mom was really in a church for like a small small portion of our lives, (laughs) and uh, but I remember church taken forever because I remember after church you'd have barbecue and then you would, which meant Dr Pepper, and then you would go home and watch football, right? So, like, I thought, man, if we didn't have church, we'd just be eating barbecue and watching football, right? Like, everything would happen faster. That's definitely something we'll get into today is when we're kids, it almost feels like there's too much time. As we get older, it seems to feel like there's not enough time. Was there an age where you were like, time is perfect right now? 
Yeah, I mean, even high school, there wasn't enough time or uh, like classes were long, but due dates were short. So I think this episode is a good opportunity for us, you know, me and you, Brian, and us as humanity to really come to terms with time (laughs) because we're constantly (laughs) complaining about it. And I think I think this is an important thing to talk about, because while we can't change clock time, we have so much control over brain time. Nice. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters to us. So that's what this episode is all about. It's how to leverage the rubberiness, the elasticity of time perception to get the most out of the time that we have. Do you have some time to talk about time? I got some time. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to explore a few different dimensions of time, including the impact of boredom, interest, fear, awe, age, and expectations on our temporal experience. All right. Am but, I going to have to remember all that? Or no. Gonna, yeah, it's okay, not a pop right. quiz. Okay, <laughs> I'm just good. letting you know so what's I was like, I, I didn't get the order okay. at all. <laughs> but I want to really start thought. by sharing with you how psychological time became an area of research, mostly because I think it's really funny. Okay. So back in the 1930s, physiologist Hudson Hoagland, he noticed that his sick wife had really messed up time perception. He would step away from her bedside for what he felt was just a little while, and she insisted that he was gone for a really long time. So instead of being like, oh, tell me more about how you feel, I'll be there for you, like a good scientist, he was like, let's turn this into an experiment. <laughs> Wait, what was wrong with her? Do we know? She had the flu. That's it? And the yeah, flu but it was the 1930s. It was just bad. Oh, it was 1930s flu. It was 1930s 1930s flu. flu is not like our flu. Like, 1930s flu makes you feel like time is all messed up. <laughs> like, 1930s flu you died from. So, like, this... I mean, I guess people are dying from the flu now, but, like... She wasn't even that sick. Like, the point so is that she was... No. You're turning the story into something it's not. <laughs> all I'm trying to say is this physiologist with this really cool either supervillain or superhero name, Hudson Sounds Hoagland, like a wrestler. Or wrestler name. His wife is sick. Yeah. She has a... She's running a fever. She's like baby, can you spend more time with me? It feels like you're away for a while. And he's like, I think your time perception is wrong. He so here she's experiment. trying to say, hey, I need you to be more <laughs> of a husband. And he's like, I'm the greatest husband. It's your time that you think I'm being a husband is wrong. Yeah. Oh, you can only get away with that stuff in the 30s. Though, I'll awesome. tell you that. Babe, we need to spend more time together. You're watching too much TV. Well, it depends on what time is to you. And, you know, like, like The football game is only four hours. And you and I are forever. So it's your perception. I love that. So while his sick wife is lying in bed, mm-hmm. so he's having her basically tell him when she feels that 60 seconds has passed. Okay. And in the meanwhile, he's checking his watch to figure out, you know, if it has. Like actual time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he actually creates like a little graph showing her fever going up and her accuracy of time perception going down. (laughs) (laughs) So as she's hallucinating, he's not trying to make her better. He's like, hold on. He's trying to make her more realistic. And so what he found is that when she thought a minute had passed, only about 30 seconds had passed. Wow. And so when she was like sweetie, I need more time with you. He was like, actually, you already have enough. (laughs) You're just counting it wrong. (laughs) That's great. I love that. I got really excited about reading this because I was like, ooh, when's the next time you're going to get the flu? You get the flu a lot. I do not. I get, I have allergies. Anyway, it's just something for us to look forward to next time. Yeah, I guess so. Jeez. So how do psychologists explain brain time? Here are a few things to keep in mind. Number one, this is going to be a little trippy. Are you ready? Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, ready? Number one, we never actually experience the present in the present. What? <laughs> so another physiologist named Benjamin Liebet, he got to shock the cortex of neurosurgery <laughs> patients who had their skulls exposed. It's not like he exposed their skulls. They just already happened to be exposed. So what? He was like, okay. experiment time. <laughs> and he found that patients only registered the shock after about half a second. Okay. Now, 
that might not seem like a major finding, right. but I think it is because what it reveals is that our perception is constantly a step behind reality. Interesting. Why do you think that might be? I don't know, but man, leave it alone. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say... Love it well, or leave we it. Need, we need, love it or leave it. We need time to process, that's right? That's exactly I mean, like, right. I mean, that's that's the interpretation. See, I didn't have to shock nobody still. And how many people were <laughs> coming in? This is what I'm saying. The whole theme of the show into the is... hospital back then with, like, skulls open. I think there's a bigger conspiracy here <laughs> is when he's like, oh, you have a sprained wrist. Let's open up your skull. I think that's what he was doing. And he's, let's see. No, they were already getting surgery that required some sort of cranial And how opening. often does that happen? That, I want those stats. It's true. This has been really hard to replicate because <laughs> because in, in this modern age, times we can't open skulls <laughs> i wonder if like he got permission or if he just snuck into the operating I think he room just did. It sounds like he while just did the it. surgeons were it sounds out sounds like he had a mobile car battery and he walked in and he's like is your patient <laughs> i picture like a cartoon where he's like how long do you think that took anyway i think this is stunning because what's stunning <laughs> no pun intended. Nice. I think it's really interesting because we're constantly just a tiny, tiny bit behind and we're always playing catch up. <gasps> and from a time perception perspective, what this means is that our perception has everything to do with our interpretation of reality. It's not really so much about reality in and of itself. In general, when it comes to being a human, to change our perception... We have to change our interpretation. As we talk about time, I think that's important to keep in mind because time isn't what it is. It's what we make of it. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. So here's important thing number two (laughs) about time. Okay. Our brains process prospective and retrospective time very differently. I'll explain that in a moment. So right now, Brian and listeners, pay attention to the flow of time passing in this very moment. (laughs) okay what does it feel like what am i looking for (laughs) just time pay attention to time passing what i want you to notice the present (laughs) (laughs) does it feel fast does it feel slow neither what does it feel like feels like just here it feels like it's just happening yeah so what you're experiencing right now that's called perspective time So sometimes it can feel like it's whizzing by. Sometimes it feels excruciatingly so, slow. So in the moment, like as I'm doing something, oh, it's all relative, right? So like what you're saying, like if I'm up giving a speech and I hate talking in front of people, it's going forever. Yep. But if I'm loving at, giving that speech, then love it's giving be that speech. So or if, I'm, quick. if I'm reading a comic, I'm at the end of the comic already, and you're like, holy crap! Like, whoa, man, I gotta wait. You're for like, the I can't believe you can take you can read the longest book, and all of a sudden it's like. You just gulped it down. Yeah. You're like, where did that no. book go? I thought I would have so much more time with it. So perspective time, it's really weird to say, pay attention to time right now. Because then you're like, what? It's like a fish in water. You can't see it. But we start to become aware of it depending on whether we feel good about what we're doing or yeah. bad about what we're doing, as well as other things. So now I want you to think back. How long do you think we've been having this conversation? 13 minutes and 11 seconds. <laughs> What I just asked you to do is to use retrospective time, Mm -hmm. which is our judgment of how much time has passed. So in hindsight, sometimes a memory of a short experience can feel really expansive, and sometimes a long experience can feel like a short blip. So thinking about that example that you gave about Uh doing a talk and whether you loved it or you hated it, prospective time is how does it feel while you're giving the talk? Retrospective time is looking back. Oh, I see. Do you feel like that was a long time or a short time? What's really interesting is that our brain processes the experience of going through time and the memory of time really differently. So the first time I did stand-up, 
It's um, like you blacked out. I blacked out and it was so fast. But looking back, it felt like a lot longer. Like yeah. I was like, oh, wow, that was that was actually happened in, in quite a significant amount of time. Yeah. But up there, it was like I did my first joke and I did my last joke. And, and that was it. I don't remember much between there. Yeah. So that's exactly what we're talking about today. Because when people say things like, I don't have enough time. Yeah. We're treating time as clock time. But as humans, what really matters for us is brain time, psychological time. Perception. It's perception. Wow. That's really all that matters. It's brain time. It's brain time. Okay. <laughs> okay so let's talk about prospective time first. That's okay. the one where you feel it happening. Yeah. So in the moment. In the moment. Okay. I want to get started by talking about painfully slow passage of time first. <laughs> Time psychologist Dan Zakay defines boredom as an information processing load that's below an optimal level for a specific individual, including type of information, pace, or variety of information. Okay. I like this definition because when we were talking about hypostress and boredom, I often think about that as that feeling or stress that comes from not having enough to do. Yeah. But really, this augmented definition includes the boredom of being too busy where you're chronically doing the same kind of thing, where yeah. there's not enough variety or not enough challenge, and you're just so unaware of what you're doing that that can really make time feel like it's crawling as well. Like carny folk. Yeah, like you go to a carnival, yeah. and the guy running the funnest ride, the, the tilt-a-whirl, the swings, and he, oh, looks and he just like, looks miserable. He looks like, he just looks miserable. And when boredom hits, the felt pace of the flow of time slows in a way that causes stress. So chronic boredom is actually linked with lower job performance. So that carny gentleman that you talked about, probably not doing a great job. Uh, lower well-being and even drug use. You just described <laughs> carny folk. Like, honestly, you just described those sons of bitches. <laughs> so one time we went on, me, my cousin Rick and Annette, uh, my two cousins, we went to this old carnival downtown and it's really like let's just say it's, it's a long shot from disney world <laughs> and it's called playland and we went there as adults and uh there was a tilt-a-whirl there and the guy left us on there and he so the carny guy he pulled the switch and then Ooh. walked away and you're talking about like an expand like Ooh, how the perception of time of oh my god so he said he only left <laughs> us in there for a minute and a half it was not, I mean, not to us, because we were like, you know, like we were miserable. And uh, Was his name Hudson Hoagland? It was! <laughs> was he like, you may think that that was <laughs> we call four minutes. You so mustn't. I think this is kind of fun. There's some research on extreme understimulation, which maybe you'll be able to relate to. For example, sensory deprivation. <laughs> so extreme understimulation, extreme boredom can even lead to impaired thinking and hallucinations. Yeah. Do you want to briefly share your sensory deprivation experience i'll try briefly <laughs> um that's the key word because this is like an experience okay so uh a, a couple years back my father took ill and he's doing much better right now but in the moment he was under a uh, stroke watch so i was really stressed i flew home with him i was there by his bedside and uh, when he got home i was still like shaky i was still stressed out so you were gracious enough to come and stay with me and you said hey let's go while we're in San Antonio, I looked this place up. It's sensory deprivation. You were telling me it's supposed to relax you and it's supposed to be great. So I get in there and the guy's like, yeah, man, like, come on in. Come up here. Take off your clothes. You go in here. And they walk <laughs> you to your room first. And you're in like this little like pill. You're, yeah, you're it's like, like in this, a little capsule. Yeah, you're in like a little Tylenol capsule. Like you're like this with boom and you're in there. <laughs> And then he was like, how are you, man? Like, are you claustrophobic? I was like, hell yeah, I'm claustrophobic. So he put me in this, like, it looks like a tiny little kid's pool, except it's enclosed. Okay. And 
you you walk in and you you get naked. You're you're completely naked. He closes. He gets out of the room. No, no, no. Let me just. He gets out of the room and then you're naked. He he goes and he leaves the room. He he turns on the thing. He says, "Okay, you go in there. You take off your clothes or you take off your robe. You get in the room." You I get feel in like the, in the story you've taken off your like. I'm trying to follow you I and you're putting on your clothes. You're taking off your you clothes. I, you're putting on your robe. You're taking off your I clothes. I can't stress <laughs> how naked you are. So anyway, so you once a person leaves you. Take off your robe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you go into the chamber and you close it behind you. It's like a car door. And it's uh, salt water, so you, you float, right? Keep some salts. And it's pitch black. And they ask you to put music or not. And like so, full sensory deprivation. You're supposed to feel like nothing, basically. Yes, yes. So he was like, if you freak out, press this thing with your foot and it turns on the light. And I was like, freak out? Like, why would I freak out? I'm supposed to be chilling out, right? And he's like, oh, you know something. So, so he's back in the room now. I'm naked. <laughs> um, so, so. so then, no, 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 this is before. And so um, <laughs> I'm, I'm lying there. And what's supposed to be so relaxing <laughs> turns into one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life where all these like suppressed feelings and emotions and memories came flooding to the surface. So you were in like a trauma suit. I was in a trauma chamber (laughs) and it was terrible. Like I freaked, of course I freaked out, right? Because I'm like, I'm so aware of of my breath. You can hear yourself freaking blink and then like you're it's pitch black and then i couldn't find the button so i'm literally splashing around in this thing and and i do start hallucinating like all of a sudden i'm seeing all these things i'm like this is the worst thing that you can do meanwhile i'm like floating on this warm cloud like body of water you dozing off i'm sorry but luckily you had a great story to tell and i appreciate that do you remember how long it felt like you were in there Days. And like how long was it actually? About 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Maybe yeah. not even because I got out a little early. So it sounds like there were a few things going on there. A little bit of boredom, a little bit of trauma. So time can stretch, certainly when we're in a situation that we don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. I think that particularly happens when we become really aware of time. You start counting down. You're like, geez, how long has it been? Boredom in and of itself also stretches time. The only exception to the negative impact of boredom is short bursts of boredom. For example, researchers Sandy Mann and Rebecca Cadman found that when they made participants complete boring tasks, their favorite was having people read the phone book. (laughs) (laughs) So when people did really boring tasks, they came up with more interesting ideas. And the way that psychologists in this particular case tested for creativity or interesting ideas was seeing how many unusual uses that participants could come up with for a plastic cup. Do you want to give this a shot? Little hats. Um, puppets, uh, building a fort, using them to, to splash water, to drink water, uh, necklaces, uh, <laughs> uh, big finger gloves, beer pong, w- b- Dr. Pepper. Also, the, the cup game from Pitch Perfect, the, the first one, not the second or third. This um, isn't a contest. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said it 30 seconds. It was... <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't hear But you that. were on a roll waiting for you to like invent something so I could figure out what to do with all these little plastic cups we have. Megaphones. Little <laughs> megaphones. <laughs> Dog megaphone. Great. Dog barker. This is what I'm going to be hearing for the rest of the night. <laughs> like, all right, good night. Good night, sweetheart. Binoculars. <laughs> so boredom feels bad because it's a signal to our brain that's basically telling us to get moving, to start doing something. Or that we need stimulation. That we need stimulation, exactly. So short bursts of boredom can be really good for you. They're really motivating. Long stretches of boredom, especially if you feel stuck in them, are really, really bad for you. So time psychology lesson number one. If you want time to feel slower, you can do less 
you can do things that you don't find interesting. Just don't do it for too long. Or if you want a quick shortcut to just slowing down, if you feel like everything is racing and you just kind of could benefit from a feeling of slowness, you can actually just start paying attention to time. Kind of like what you were talking about as a kid or waiting to go up and do stand-up. If you just start noticing time, time starts to feel slower. So you can literally just take out your phone for 60 seconds, just watch time go by. When you're first learning how to bat, when you're in Little League and they're teaching you like where to hold the bat and how to choke up and everything. The one thing about it, the one thing choke about... Choke up a good thing? Cho- yeah, choke up on like how high you hold the bat. Sounds like awful. How, so one of the things they teach you is how fast the ball is, like to slow everything down. A kid is so anxious when you first get a hold of that bat. You could swing two or three times before the, bat, the ball ever gets there because you're so hyped up. What you learn is to breathe. Slow everything down. I don't care how fast-paced what you're doing is. Breathe. If you if you uh, watch UFC, there's a big fight tonight. You're going to hear the corner telling the guy, especially when they're in the grapple. Okay, all right, all right. Breathe. Really like, cool. So it's like they're teaching <clears throat> you to mold time, to change time so that you can work better with it. It's interesting. That's I, really I, cool. Yeah. So you can do that to slow down time. But I think when most people complain and they say that there's not enough time, I think it's actually not that they want time to go slower. Mm-hmm. It's that we wish we had more time to do things, to feel things, to experience life. And to do that, we actually have to make time speed up. So psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who we spoke about in one of our last episodes, he learned that one of the best predictors of life satisfaction is how often we experience flow state, which is this state of mind where you're so absorbed in what you're doing that you lose all sense of time. You get in a flow state when you write. Yes. Okay. So can you walk us through that? What that's like? What it feels like? It feels... Like you're completely in the present. I personally feel like a tiny bit frustrated, which kind of checks out with Csikszentmihalyi's research because he found that flow is triggered by doing something that's a little bit more challenging Hmm. than you can handle. So I feel like a good kind of warm frustration. It feels like I'm just in the zone. It almost feels like my peripheral vision narrows. It's it's a really, really good sensation. But it, yeah, I was about to say, so it sounds like it's a good sensation. Yeah, I know I'm using words like frustrating. No, 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 no. But, and... but, I, I, but I get it. I get it. I mean, like... What gives you flow? You're going you're gonna to laugh at me because you're doing something Probably. totally creative. But like... Um, when I'm playing, uh, when I'm playing Call of Duty or something. Oh, nice. And when yeah. I'm online, cause I, I'm not very good. I, I, I'm, I stink. And, and I know that because a lot of 11 year olds tell me how bad I stink. <laughs> if you just go from game to game to game, you get the pace of the game yep. and you get the pace of like when to pull the trigger, when to duck, when to run, I when to hide. I think game designers often <clears throat> use flow state research. Oh, is that right? For game design. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and think about times where you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to play 10 more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then like three o'clock in the morning, oh, I'm like, oh. you coming to bed? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, just five more minutes. <laughs> so what's really interesting about those experiences is that that is when life feels rich, engaging, mm. when we feel really absorbed. But time is almost like it's not present anymore. Mm. It's essentially the psychological explanation for the saying, time flies when we're having fun. Mm -hmm. Other things that make time speed up include doing new things. So novelty, complexity, adventure, play, connection, surprise, strong emotions. Fear? Fear, absolutely. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Fear is a really big one that's been studied in in time uh, research. What about love? You know how like when you first fall in love, you can remember that back to our early days. And we would stay up for like 19, 20 hours, you know? Do you, Talking. 
talking. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah but so, like just having adventures and stuff. But we would be talking for nineteen hours and look down and be like, "Oh, I thought this was nineteen minutes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, in retrospect, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But in retrospect, it feels like. You have just spent an eternity together. But in oh. the moment, it feels like it's been 19 That could actually sound minutes. terrible. <laughs> we spent an eternity together. <laughs> and I hope to spend <laughs> another eternity So mindfulness meditation is an interesting one. There's some research now that shows that when you're doing mindfulness meditation, which is essentially just being really attentive to the sensations that you're experiencing in the moment. So right now you could do like a quick mini mindfulness meditation by noticing what your skin feels like mm-hmm. or what you hear. Yeah. You want me to do that? Yeah. Oh. um, Okay. (laughs) So when you do that, when you start really becoming attentive to your environment, it makes time speed up. But after you're done, it makes you feel like you have more time. The word that gets used often in psychology is absorption, which I think is really beautiful. Hmm. It's a state of letting the world seep into your pores. It's like if you picture yourself being the sponge and you're absorbing the world around you. No, you don't, you're not liking the word absorption. Well, absorption feels a little like, that's more like paper towels and stuff. But but think about if you let yourself be a paper towel and you just absorb the world around you, you're still not liking that. The world around me is pretty gross. <laughs> How about... But like, what do you mean? Uh, like letting the world all around? Like The more present you are to the world, the okay. more fully immersed you are, the more engaged you are, the faster time feels like it's going okay. and the richer our life experience becomes. Like a conversation, for example, where yeah. you're not spacing out, you're fully present, you're looking at the person you're talking to, you're thinking about what you're talking about. Maybe you have like a hot tea in your hands and you're enjoying that. Maybe you're like snuggled up in a warm chair. No, that's good. <laughs> I don't know I what mean, a warm chair that's is. On, that's honestly like one of the keys to film acting too is like complete absorption mm-hmm. uh, to, to listen and to be present and to not act and to just kind of like... Make react real. and and yeah be be there with the person and see what see what kind of life happens in that moment not to get all like you know whatever but like that's, but that's maybe that's... one of the thrilling parts of acting is you know in in everyday life we just sort of go with the flow with acting there's an intentionality to it mm-hmm. i imagine that that's part of the thrill because sure. when we're fully absorbed we don't pay attention to the passage of time so time flows faster sure but here's the really fascinating twist and we sort of touched on this a little bit throughout this mm-hmm. episode already when we feel time passing quickly mm-hmm. in the present, so that's like when we're really absorbed. Yeah. Our retrospective time, that's the feeling of time mm-hmm. having passed, it gets warped and we feel that the experience was much longer than it actually was. What are you saying? <laughs> so think about times where you felt like time just flew by. Yeah. Let's talk about stand-up again. Okay. How long did it feel when the first time you did stand-up? It felt like I opened my mouth and then it was over. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like a flash. So like a few seconds. Maybe. And then looking back on it, Mm -hmm. does it feel like it was a short experience or a long experience? It's hard to say. Well, long. It does. It felt like... And your first set was what, like five minutes? Seven, seven, eight minutes. Seven minutes? Prospective time, it felt like a few seconds. Clock time, it was seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Retrospective time... It felt long. It felt like uh, like looking back. I, I remember everyone's faces. And I can remember. I guess it felt slower because I was taking. I can look back and piece yeah. it all together. Or even if you think about our wedding, oh. our wedding was thirteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> it wasn't an expensive wedding. Yet. It was. In the moment, <clears throat> it just flew by. And thinking back on it, it feels like it was a normal adult. You know. 
Like a whole hour or something. <laughs> it was Two a hours. normal adult wedding. Mm. No, but it, it was Elvis in Vegas and it was fantastic. But no, you're right. But looking you're right. back, there's so much detail. I remember everything. Like I remember the lights. I remember the temperature. I remember the first time seeing your face. Yeah. I remember dancing, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. And really it was 13 minutes. Wow. I know that because if it was 14, they'd make us pay extra. I know. Do you remember that? So basically, prospective time and retrospective time are these mirror images of each other. And that's really important to know because what that means is that when in the present we feel bored and time feels endless, our memory actually hardly encodes any of that. Hmm. So we hardly even remember the times that we were super bored. It's like all of the days blend in with one another. Hmm. But in the moment when we're really absorbed when we're really engrossed and time is just flying by, those are actually our richest memories. Wow, I like that. One of my favorite time researchers, David Eagleman, did this amazing study, which I think you're going to love. He had participants get on kind of like a roller coaster called SCAD. Have you ever heard of SCAD? No. SCAD, do you want to guess what SCAD stands for? Uh, Supercilious <laughs> Contraption Against Dumb. Yeah. Suspended catch air device. So basically, you're lying on your back, looking up at the sky, <laughs> and you plummet 110 feet into a net. Okay, let me explain. For those of you who haven't Googled this, you're in like this chair, like a hammock chair. And you're suspended in what looks like an old grain silo. The whole thing is in a net. You're, there's just a small little patch, a little bigger than your chair, that's a net. And that's suspended above the ground as well. And you go well. into free fall. And it just drops you. Yes, what exactly. What the hell? And it's super safe, except for this one time when a SCAD operator didn't put the net in place properly and a young girl fractured her spine in 10 places and cracked her skull. Otherwise, Why are you totally telling me that? safe. I was just looking at this going, maybe I might. <laughs> All the pictures of the people doing it are screaming in terror. <laughs> the reason that David Eagleman wanted to do research on this particular roller coaster was that, or I don't even know if you'd call it's it not a roller coaster. Co- it's not a roller coaster. Y'all, it is not a roller coaster. <laughs> ain't nothing rolling. Ain't nothing coasting on this he mother He got scratcher. excited about it because he was like, this is genuinely terrifying. Yeah. And if you do it more than once, it becomes even more terrifying. And everyone who leaves is just like, looks like they just had a near-death experience, which they kind of did. It was pretty simple. He could just time the length of the drop using clock time, and then he would ask participants to estimate how long it took using <laughs> brain time. Typically, they overestimated by an average of 36%, wow. meaning that they thought that it was much slower than it actually had been. Oh, really? Because we're so absorbed oh, in the yeah, moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. There's another experiment researchers have done to test time perception, and this one I'm going to try to recreate on you. Okay. So I'm going to show you some pictures. I want you to describe what you yeah! see. Yeah! You son of a gun! <laughs> So just go ahead and flip through and let us know. Okay, so do you want me to tell you what the first one is? Yeah, just flip through and let us know what you're looking at. It's a big, brown, hairy spider. Closer than than y'all can imagine. Like, like the, the photographer's dead. And it's in like, um, oh, I don't even know if that's baby spiders or if it's just dead thing. I don't even know. That's... Okay, stop. Okay. How much time do you think just passed? Like 45 seconds, a minute. That was actually 28 seconds. That did not seem like that at all. Okay. I felt like I was on there for a while. It turns out that fear, like scad, or even just an image of a creepy spider, if you have mm. a touch of arachnophobia, <laughs> it makes retrospective time slow down. The reason this happens is that your memory of these events is so vibrant and detailed, you take in so much that it kind of like tricks you into thinking time passed slower than it did. But the good news is that you don't have to just rely on fear. Oh, good. Because I can't look at any more spiders. 
I'm going to show you some other photos. Okay. And this time I want you to look again. And you can just flip through them at your own pace. I'll let you know when time is up and if you could just describe what you're seeing. I'm looking at a bunch of people sending lanterns in the air. It's beautiful. And I'm, and, oh, a beautiful blue whale under the water. That's pretty lovely. And I'm looking at someone look overlooking this mountain coast uh, and they are standing on the edge of it. Thank you for looking at those. So what I just tried to induce in you is the feeling of awe. Aww. Which is the response that we have to something almost incomprehensibly expansive. Researchers Melanie Rudd, Kathleen Bose, and Jennifer Acker showed people awe-inspiring videos. And they found that when they felt awe, it made them feel that they had more time. It increased their patience. It made them happier mm. and made them more willing to volunteer their time to help others. Everything but the last one for me. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was wonderful. Okay, so looking at those images, how do you feel about time right now? Things slowed down with the all pictures. Like, I just felt like I, I, I wanted to live in those moments a little bit more and wanted to find out, like, what the story was behind those. So, like, your imagination takes over. Why do you think people who experience awe might become more helpful? I guess because when you experience such beauty or, when, like you said, you feel so small, you want to bring others closer. Another theory is that because awe kind of messes with your time perception and makes you feel like you have more time, hmm. you're more generous with the time you have. So to summarize, when time flies in the moment, it feels slower in our memories. And it gives us this feeling that we've lived a longer and more meaningful life and a more memorable life. And the good news is that we don't need to live longer to feel that richness. We just need to live fuller. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's great. So I like that. the way I think about it is we, we have to be deliberate about bringing newness into our lives and finding the new in the familiar. Like what's a new thing you've noticed about me lately? Who put me on the spot? Yeah, but because uh, you've known oh, me for quite some time, I have to say you allow yourself to get a lot more excited about things, whereas before you would kind of hold back like a scientist would when <laughs> things would happen. Uh, but now you allow yourself to really get excited, and it may and it makes celebrating a lot more fun. Yeah, and then I time how long my excitement lasts, <laughs> <laughs> and I document it, and I plot a little graph. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you get sick, I'm like, no, 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 five more minutes. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for mm -hmm. sharing that. The reason I asked that question is because I think sometimes it can be overwhelming to feel like, oh, I have to keep doing new things. I have to keep doing exciting things. I have to keep looking for change. But really, you can feel that richness just by noticing the way the things that seem familiar around you are always changing and okay. have little things that you've never noticed. Now, I ask you, other than the fact that I've only gotten cuter, <laughs> uh, what things have changed about me? And well, as of a few days ago, you have a mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I've noticed about you that feels new is the care that you've been taking when you pick me up from the bus. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of commuting <laughs> and I'm like almost always late, probably 80% of the time I'm late. And I think you used to the greet me with late. a little bit of frustration. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. mean to be late. I'm yeah, just it's on not a you. Late You're bus. on a bus. It's not... And you've been meeting me with a LaCroix and <laughs> just like this big, wonderful smile. And that means the world to me. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. because it's like I'm the same person over and over, but you greet me like we haven't seen each other in ages. And that makes me want to be more playful and want to find more mm. newness in our interactions. <laughs> so here's my uh, public service announcement. As we get older, 
time starts to feel like it's rushing right by us. This is something you said early on. So if we're not deliberate in how we use our time, it really does truly slip by. Why do you think the time feels slower when we're kids and faster and faster with age? I think because we look forward to more things as kids. Mm. We uh, So we're spending more time waiting. Yeah, we're spending more time waiting because like, you want to go to school to see your friends. You want to do this. You want to wait for the weekend because cartoons are happening. You know, Sunday means you get to spend time with your brother or, you know, my dad in, in those cases. It's almost like as kids, we keep waiting and waiting and waiting to not have to wait anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we stop waiting. And then we're like, oh, wasn't it great when you were a kid and summer's yeah. just stretched on forever? This aligns really nicely with research that shows that anticipating going on vacation is almost more enjoyable than the vacation itself. Especially in our cases, some of our vacations have not been so great. Yeah, like our vacations tend to suck, but something I really love is that we plan our vacation so far in advance yeah. that we can really look forward to it. But but also going back to the kids thing, it's like there's it's filled with so much wonder. I remember not knowing exactly when summer ended as okay, a kid. Okay, so having kind of like a little bit less control, mm-hmm. having to wait. Maybe some stretches of boredom that are kind of sweet yeah, in yeah, retrospect. Yeah. As an adult... You know all this shit. Yeah. Like, you know all the dates. You have all the stuff. And and there aren't as many firsts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. In psychology, there's this great concept called the reminiscence bump. And for (laughs) most people in the U.S., it's a period between ages 15 and 25 where we have the majority of our most memorable memories. As we get to our 30s, 40s, 50s, etc., as we look back on our lives, that period of time, 15 to 25 has this super saturated majority of our most meaningful memories. Interesting. Reminiscence bump. Reminiscence bump, yeah. So it's basically when most of our major firsts happen. That's a theory around why that time is so important. And it's also when we develop our self-concept, when we become who we are. Sure, I can see that. Are there any memories or memorable firsts that come to mind for you between that age? Yeah. I know your first first was before 15. Whoa! Hey, now, we don't need to talk about Your reminiscence that. bump is <laughs> a little broader. I had a few reminiscence bumps. But, pal, memorable firsts. Uh, first time I left home. Uh, Which was 18. 18. First time, first day of college. Um, first day in New York. Same, all that was same day. First sense of doing it on your Independence. own. Independence. First sense of purpose. All of that happened around that age. Yeah, what about you? 15 to 25. Well, I met you in that age range. You were 14. <laughs> yeah. Would we say yeah for Would that? Would we say yeah? Um, I was 22 when mm-hmm. I met you. We got married when I was 23. Yeah. So you definitely got in there in that reminiscence bump. Oh, I thought you meant to like... Uh, <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> the reminiscence bump. You definitely got in there. <laughs> Within that time, like, um, I mean, moving out going to college, my first big job, really, when I was like 16. Yeah, so, but but here's the thing. Like, I actually don't relate that much to this reminiscence bump because I feel like so many of my most memorable moments have been stretched out over time. And that's really, that's the good news. If you're over 25, it turns out that people who go through transformations later on in life, Mm -hmm. like career changes, we've both had a lot of those, major moves, significant new relationships or relationships ending, even coming out, for example, they're considered a second reminiscence bump. So all of a sudden, it's almost like you have a new renaissance, so to speak, right? Like a new uh, rebirth of who you are. And I think if we're deliberate about it, we can really stretch out that space of firsts and that space of, of really meaningful experiences. Are there any firsts that you're hoping to have in the future? 
I'm sure, but maybe I haven't discovered what those first even are, like what they, what the possibilities are. So I had my um, first trapeze, flying trapeze yesterday. Oh, nice! Congratulations. Um, oh, how about this thing? First podcast. Yes. This is huge, and I'm anxious to see where this goes. Like, uh, what other firsts we're going to be doing here? How about a first you haven't had yet? I don't know. I I can't think of it. Well, that's the thing. Like when we're little kids, we kind of know the first to anticipate. Mm -hmm. And then as we get older, we have to get more creative. Yeah, because like as a kid, you look forward to like first day of school, first day of practice, first day of this. As an adult, I don't know what the hell. Like you just asked me what first am I looking forward to? And I'm like, well, that's the thing is I don't know. First guitar lesson. Yeah. I have a guitar lesson coming up. My very first one with these little ham hocks, these little ham fingers that I have. Um, So I'm anxious (laughs) to see if I can rock it like Johnny Cash or if I'm just going to sit there and, 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 you know, start banging on rocks and call that music. (laughs) Okay. Time psychology lesson number two. If you want time to feel faster in the moment and slower in your memory, have more first-time experiences, more variety, more challenge, more surprise. And last but not least, I'll share one more time elasticity hack with you, okay? Mm -hmm. So this hack has to do with the impact of expectations on time. For example, when someone tells you that you'll be waiting in line for 15 minutes and it ends up being 30 minutes, (laughs) what happens? You get upset. Yeah. You get mad. Punches happen. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So time seems to slow down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Relation to time. Yeah. Yes. Time slows down and that 30 minutes feels like. Yeah. Yeah. But you can also reverse the effect. So, for example, psychologist Aaron Sackett and his team gave participants an activity to do. And they told people that time was up much more quickly than the participants expected. And then they asked, what do you think of the activity? And it turns out that when you essentially tricked people into thinking the time flew by, they rated their enjoyment of the task much more highly. Hmm. So if you're like, hey, you're yeah. going to have 10 minutes to do this task, and, and then you come back five. at 5. Yeah. And they're like, wow, I must have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so time psychology lesson number three of three. Yeah. Change your expectations and you'll change your time perception. This might seem a little simple, but... I think it can have a really huge impact. For example, if you want to give yourself a greater sense of urgency, maybe if you're feeling like you really want to start a project, but you've been putting it off, remind yourself that life is short, basically that you might die at any moment. (laughs) We don't know really how much time we have. And every second that you waste is a second you'll never get back. Like seize the day kind of thing, but like every moment. Intentionally kind of switch that on Mm -hmm. when you know you need that extra little push. That's cool. Feeling annoyed or anxious about how long something is taking, you can change your expectations and assume that it's going to take three times as long, and all of a sudden you're pleasantly surprised. Oh, okay. All right. And if you want to feel like time is slowing down, you could remind yourself how many moments you still have ahead of you and how much can happen in a really short period of time. If you're feeling particularly time-starved, you can change your expectations for how much you should be getting done. You know, people put these pressures on themselves that are kind of just self-imposed and it shortens our perception of time. We can be really miserable because of the beliefs that we're just carrying about time. I love the expression, we overestimate how much we can get done in one day and we underestimate how much we can get done in a lifetime. That's awesome. You know, another hack for slowing things down is it looks a little weird on the street, but it's a lot of fun. You know, like if everyone's just moving and you're just like, and then you just do like It's a really nice way to make other people feel like they're going really fast. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, wow, am I like zipping through? They're like, what's going on? Well, you can be that friend that like when people say, hey, how's your life going? What have you gotten done lately? You could just be like, nothing. And then they can be like, wow, 
Yeah. I'm getting so much done. <laughs> I could do that. I could do, I could absolutely do that. For anybody who needs to feel like you're getting stuff done, just talk to me. Yeah. After all, time is subjective <laughs> and relative. <laughs> so there's a character in the Marvel Universe called Quicksilver. Quicksilver is like the Marvel Universe's Flash. And he's he moves at super super high speeds. He's a he's a mutant. And there's this ep, there's this issue that he they, they had an X Factor I think it was, where it's just a day in the life of Pietrov. And he's miserable because standing in line at the oh, grocery store it just takes so, forever. It, it it was it was an eternity. And like if you know the character, he's he's so angry all the time and he's so frustrated. And then we see this episode this issue that has no villains in it. <laughs> it's just him in the day just and the, the light. Monotony of waiting. And we know now like why he's so miserable. And you have to sit in a car or you have to listen to someone tell a story. So what would your advice be for him after having had this conversation? Well, I would say he has to learn to absorb better mm. and just be in that moment. You could try some mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness <laughs> meditation and not anticipate. The kind of on the opposite side, it makes me think of growing up during the Soviet Union and you would just know that you'd have to wait in the bread line for many hours <laughs> and people were just okay. Anywho, Anywho, what are your takeaways? My takeaways are when you get at bat in life, slow things down, breathe. You don't have to anticipate what pitches are coming at you. You just have to breathe and know that anything that comes across that plate, you can handle. Really cool. So, listeners, savor the time you have. Stretch it. Condense it. Play with it. Most of all, don't waste it. And with that, I want to say thank you for spending time with us. And thank you for listening to Talk Talk Psych Psych to Me. Me.